of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. My name's Javid and joining me this week, Carol from Surrey. Hello there. Rebecca Rebecca from Portsmouth. Good evening. And Devan from Leicester. Hello everybody. Right, um, where should we begin? Um, Not with yesterday's game? Not with yesterday's game, that's probably a good starting point. Um, It's a funny old season because... It started off really slowly. Um, at the start of the season, you know, Poch trying to get his ideas across to the players. We lost a lot of home games, and then, um, and then we had that loss loss against Stoke. And then after that, there was a big turnaround, and we started picking up points, perhaps in pl- games that we shouldn't have. Um, there's obviously the the meteoric rise of Harry Kane, um, the high points beating Chelsea, getting to in, in on New Year's Day, getting to the cup final, and then. Beating Arsenal in February and going above them. And I think it's fair to say that it's been a bit downhill since then. Yeah. Um, the season hasn't quite finished, but and I you know, and I hope we can still salvage something or, or you know, even if it's just pride or some credibility, um, and just, you know, some some level of performance that that makes us be a little bit more upbeat or, or not have not be as miserable as maybe we are at the moment. But where has it gone wrong of late? Um, Carol, you were at the game yesterday. Um, <clears throat> yeah. You're, you're in the park lane. What was that like? Oh, it's my first time in the park lane, actually, which is quite bizarre. Everything felt a little bit the wrong way round to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, from where I was sitting. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know where it went wrong yesterday, shape-wise. I thought we it was awful. We had no wits. I think I've said earlier on, we played, the whole pitch was very, very narrow. Um, Danny Rose was the only one coming out wide, wasn't he? But then, of course, he had no one to pass the ball to. Um, I've got no idea where it went wrong, and I wouldn't even have known with the players on the pitch how to have put it right. Um, I thought Pochettino made his substitutions late again, which I think he's doing quite a lot, because... When you're watching a game like that, something needs to change. And it's obvious to the whole crowd, we're not going to score. We're not going to score. Change it. But he tends to do one little sub and then, you know, a bit later on, maybe one other. He needs to be a bit more dynamic in his substitutions. Uh, Another uh, member of the family, Caroline, she's always saying that as well. I completely agree with that. I don't know if you guys feel that. I feel the impact that someone like Lamella and Soldado could have the energy that they bring when they actually do come on, if it's made a bit earlier, it maybe might change something. I don't know. Yeah, it was nice to see Lamella come on, but that's a personal thing. Um, but he is, <laughs> apart from the old lady lechery, but he's very quick and um, he's not so kind of keen to impress. So he's more of a solid player now. I think he needs more game time, admittedly, but he it's not so much the tricks and step-overs and flicks and fancy stuff. I don't know if we're ever going to get the Rabona ever again, but he does make a difference when he comes onto the pitch. And he can tackle. I think he's looking more confident. 
even though yes. he hasn't really had a lot of play, he's definitely looking more confident when he comes on. Not quite yeah, such a does. not quite such a fancy Dan. I did post yesterday. I wondered if it was a um, shop window team. Well, and in that case, I was just surprised not to see Paulinho there too. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, he, he tried that last week and that didn't really... Um, I don't, I don't, well, it, it, if, it was, if it was an attempt by Poch to get Paulinho in the shop window, that didn't work in that respect and it didn't also work in terms of um, you know, getting something for the team. It's, still, it's too early in the season to be doing that, isn't it? I don't think Poch is the type of person that would do that. Like, like, I'd like to think that's, that would be the case. Um, it's funny, though, about, about substitutions, Carol. Um, he, Poch has had a knack of doing that recently, of, of bringing on players too late in the game. The only exception I can think of was, was against United fairly early on, where Townsend was having a mare and he bought on Dembele. Mm. Um, that was... Um, that was a that good was, substitution. Yeah, that was, that was good. For yeah, that well did because it stopped things. Um, I, I thought we really missed Walker yesterday. Yeah, and Vlad. Oh, sorry, and uh, Vertonghen. Yeah. I was going to say actually yeah. on that on that point. I mean, I didn't get the opportunity to watch the full game yesterday, so it's probably not fair on just the highlights. But uh, it's it's probably no coincidence that uh, we have shown in the last two games the same kind of defensive fragility that we've had when Vertonghen wasn't playing at the beginning of the season. And he's been away for the last two games through ill health. Uh, he's our best defender. Do we even know what's wrong with him yet? Chest infection. Okay. But I don't think that's any coincidence. So missing Vertonghen, missing uh, Hugo. Hugo and Carl Walker. For, for what it, the thing about Carl Walker is that um, having come back from injury, I was speaking to uh, some of the, uh, the family after the Leicester game, and uh, Vardy had the measure of him, and it, and it certainly looked from where I was sat in that corner where where Carl Walker patrols up and down that it's um, it's a confidence issue since he's come back from injury. Yeah, and he got a pasting at United as well. Absolutely. Yes, he did. Yeah, and I think that's really knocked his confidence. But when you've got he three, hasn't played out, well. Yeah, absolutely. So when you've got three of your five at the back missing, and they're like regular starters, then uh, I think that's going to affect how we play. It's amazing how solid we looked once um, Fazio and Jan together played, or when uh, Jan and uh, Dyer were playing together. You know, it's, it's just a completely different, comfortable, rock-solid defence. Um, and you know everyone knows what everyone's doing. Whereas you know, okay, did you, say, rock, did you say we had a rock solid defense? No. When I, <laughs> when I said that, I realised. Well, it is. Por it's porous rock. Porous rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So probably not rock solid, but uh, more solid when when Jan's playing, which he which he wasn't. So it's unfair. Then you throw Yedlin into the mix, and it's his first competitive game, which is you know you're not you're asking for too much from him. But uh, I think it's no coincidence that that's happened. He's very small, actually. I thought he was going to be a, a bigger bloke. He's quite tiny. He's quite tiny, but he he's, he looks he's looks like he's um it's not going to be a pushover. He he seems to be quite um um built. Good, because we have the pushovers in the team, don't we? If you yeah, put Lamella, Lamella 
And Ericsson, actually, is not a... Subst- I mean, he, that, apart from the fact that there's nothing to him, if he turns sideways, he's a missing person. But he's another one. <laughs> if he gets pushed, then he that he's got... There's nothing for him to fall back on. He's got no way to stand his ground. He's had a shocker the last few games, hasn't yeah. he? Just Absolutely. a shocker. It's funny, talking of small players, one of the smallest players that played for us in recent years was good old Luka Modric. And he was quite... For a, for a tiny little player... Yeah, he was quite strong. He could, mm-hmm. he could. I mean, obviously, technically, he was good in terms of getting the ball and keeping the ball, but he he was no pushover. No, well, he and, wasn't. And Ryan Mason is another example of that. He's another one who is just he looks so thin, um, but I think he's a really strong player. I think so. I don't know. Maybe Christian and and Mr. Lamella just need to spend some a bit of time in the gym. We yesterday one of the things that that. Um, so I was at the game, Carol, you were at the game. Um, there was a few other people from the Facebook group that were at the match. Um, and we had a little discussion about 4-4-2. We um, did. And whether, you know, 4-4-2 was the way to go. So, uh, This is uh, the explanation of uh, Mary's post. Yeah, so my, my take on this is... Bring it back, man. Well, okay. So, so Poch is let, let's let's be let's be a bit pragmatic about this and realistic. So, Poch is a four-two-three-one person. Okay. Um, now, I don't know whether at some point in his managerial career he's he's gonna try something different, or, or it's gonna be fashionable, or some other formation is gonna be in vogue, and he's gonna, and he's gonna try try without. But for the moment, four-two-three-one is the system that he's gonna play, and we've got to assume that's gonna be the case next season. So. That's fine if he wants to do that, and you might as well start doing that. We don't have the. I don't think we've got. The, I think the problem is that we don't have the personnel to do that. However, um, you know, Poch bought a few players in the summer, but largely he's inherited a squad of players, which, which, um, yeah, are exactly that. He's he's inherited. And I don't think he he's got necessarily all of the personnel to do that. Having said that, you've got to start from somewhere, so you've got to start playing that formation and start getting your ideas across. I think that the problem with four two three one and any and, and any formation, by the way, twofold. And we saw I mentioned this yesterday. So, firstly, you've got to have the personnel to do it. Secondly, whatever formation you play, whether it's four two three one or four four two or three at the back, if you play it in a rigid way, if, if play if there isn't movement, then it's going to be shit. It's going to look shit, and you're going to be found out. And at the moment, when we play four two three one, there's no width. Um, so the fullbacks have to get forward. There's even more of an emphasis on the fullbacks to get forward. So that and that leaves exposed to the back, and we don't really have somebody in front of the in front of the back four, a natural ball winner that can provide the shield. And the three uh, deep lying, the, the three number tens, if you like. I'm not going to say a Spanish word because I can't pronounce it. Um, Media punta. That's the one. Yeah. How so dare you? They... Wash your mouth out. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that word, by the way. They don't make introduced into our game, and yeah. what the hell is it? Leave, it, leave it in Spain. Leave it in Spain, please. It's Bill's fault. They don't. They don't make use of the space. It, it reminds me of years ago when Terry Venables was, was England manager, and he played a Christmas tree, which was four, three, two, one. And he said, and I remember reading an article afterwards, and he said that the problem with the Christmas tree is you don't have any natural width, and you, the, the Players that that are in the in the two behind the striker, they've got to run run into the space and use um, 
utilize the, utilize the sp space that, that, that's created and at the moment we don't do enough of that and plus on top of that you've got Ericsson playing on the left and he shouldn't be in the left he should be in the center so I think personnel is really important um, and and also if you stick to any formation and play it in a rigid way that's going to leave you exposed so that's my take on it I, I, I wanted to I was going to answer this uh, in response to a question that somebody raised uh, regarding does Poch have a plan B mm. and um, I was actually going to say that he's played 4-4-2 before um, and we and, and well if, if you remember we beat Everton at home 2-0 and Soldado scored in that game and we all thought again this is the this is the rebirth of Soldado and it <laughs> clear, clearly wasn't um, but but it's not for lack of trying because he's he looked at the situation and said okay 4-2-3-1 isn't quite working yet I haven't got these guys uh, at a level where they can go out and play it, you know, the high pressing game. So sod it, I'll just do four four two, and it did work in that game. So it's not for lack of trying. So he's shown his flexibility. The problem is he's got three strikers, one of whom is keeping us afloat, you know, in seventh, and Soldado, who's completely bereft of confidence. That's that's not Poch's fault. At least it doesn't seem to be. Um, if anybody could bring his best out of him. Uh, you know, having this, you know, the lack of a language barrier or anything like that, then it's Pochettino. And the other thing is you've got Adebayor, who either can't or won't adapt to a high-pressing style. I mean, in fairness, you know, I've been quite critical of it. I just don't think that at his age and with his, his, his body, I don't think he's the kind of player who can play that kind of game. He can support the midfield, but he can't play that high pressing game, you know, toing and froing. So, you know, he's got Harry Kane, and Harry Kane's adapted to it really quickly, and he's gotten on with it, and he's, and he's done it. So, that's all he can do. He can't play four four two if he doesn't have other strikers available. And it's and it's difficult to do that if he's been on the juju the night before a game. Well, there is there, there's the old juju, the juju juice. Yeah. He has. He's got Soldado available to try that. But he has. But the the, the when you when you play him, you can just see that he's completely lacking in confidence. He doesn't get enough games, does he? You, we don't see enough of him. We just don't see enough of him. He doesn't get the games for it. But then he scored against Fiorentina, and then after that, after he'd scored that goal for the rest of the game, he did precisely not a great deal. Mm. And which is really disappointing. Let's not forget the the return against Fiorentina. The howler of yeah. a miss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, he did, and he did that against Burnley in the Cup tie um, as well, the FA Cup replay. Did you did you watch the City uh, Man United City game just now? Yeah, bits Any of it. You? Yeah, bits of it. They, they use the whole field. They look like <clears throat> excuse me. They look like they're playing four four two. I don't even watch formations when a game's on. I'm watching the game. I'm not worried where everyone's bloody coming from. But they look. They fill the whole page uh, pitch. They've got wits. They've got people. They've got people in the box. Lots of people. For us now, we've got Harry, who's kind of sort of in the box and not in the box. We've got the other three media punters doing their bloody <laughs> dart outside the box. It's just, it's just not, they don't sweep forward as a whole team, as a unit. And with 4-4-2, yeah. I think that's the way with a 4-4-2. Everyone's frightened to bring up, so yeah, I wish we could play 4-4-2 again because they think, oh, it's not trendy. I don't, I've got no, oh, we said this yesterday, um, one of the best teams, growing up as a kid, one of the best teams, um, the best teams in Europe was AC Milan. Um, Erigo Saki was 
coach and then after that Fabio Capello and they played 4-4-2 and they were a good team to watch um, I remember in god this is over 20 years ago 94 European Cup final when they thrashed Barcelona in the final 4-0 um, they played 4-4-2 so I've got I, I, don't, I personally don't have any um, I'm not against it mm. no but, me too uh, but as I said before, you can play. You can be very rigid. You can. I remember play, um, in Euro 2000 when Keegan was manager, and we played 4-4-2, and it was just, it was just in lines. There was no. I just think at the moment our players don't know where they're supposed to go. And if they've got, if you've got a 4-4-2 playing, you kind of you know you know where you are. I'm not. No, I'm not having that, Carol. Not to <laughs> diss you, but. I'm really sorry. They've been playing the four three four. Oh, anyway, four two three one. Four two three yeah. one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was absolutely. That's not my thing. But they've been yeah. playing that most of the season. So, mm. and we beat Arsenal that, emphatically yeah. with that system. Yeah. So they and we beat uh, Chelsea uh, five three with that system. So it, it can work. I, I, I think one of the problems yesterday was, um, and I didn't notice it myself, but it was mentioned on the Facebook page and it was mentioned in commentary by Tony Gale that he said, I don't understand why Chadley's being played in the middle when you've got Ericsson yeah. uh, and Ericsson's been played on the left and he should be playing yeah. in the middle and uh, Chadley's been so great on the left. So what the hell's going on there? And that's when I realised that, that that was actually happening. So uh, that doesn't was, help. Yeah, that, that's, that's how it was fun. yesterday. It was mental. That's what I mean. They don't, why, is, why is he switching them all around like that? They didn't. They didn't know where they were supposed to be. That's what it looked like yesterday. So they kind of just all stuck in the middle. If it had been, if it, there's if no they... link. There's no link between Harry Kane and them. There's no link between the defence and the bloody midfielders. It's not. It's disjointed. It's not right. Huh. I don't know what it is. I, I think that the maybe the more like, pertinent point is this: not so much the formation that we start with. Okay. But having the ability in the middle of the game to say, okay, if this isn't working out, and maybe we should switch it to, for an example, four four two, because certain opposition has lined up in a particular way, and we need to get use the width for the pitch at white um, at home, and 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 four four two is the only system, and that, that's the only way we're going to break it down. Um, I think it's for me. It's more about that rather than the, f- the formation that we l- line up with. Because actually, away from home, when we play away from home, generally we've had a good record. Not only this season, the last few seasons, and four-two-three-one seems to work. It, it's when we're at home and people park the bus. Yeah, that's when we need yeah. to use the width, get round the back, and it's fine if we start off well and get an early goal and maybe two goals. So then teams have got to then come out and attack attack us and that opens up opens the pitch up a bit and, and, and creates further opportunities it's when they sit back or when they get an early goal or, say, or an early-ish goal or whatever whenever it was I can't remember yesterday um, and we're chasing a game and teams put players behind the ball that's where the, that's when the 4-2-3-1 really comes into question not so much as a formation but it's maybe Poch's managerial abilities and don't get me wrong I think he's a good manager that's where they come into question you know has he got the the tactical now of dare I say a Mourinho to to suddenly analyze in the in the course of the game and say right I'm going to change the formation or 
I'm going to... It doesn't even have to change the personnel sometimes. You know, it's just doing something different. It's, okay, so Ericsson out on the left is plainly not working. Um, let's switch Shadley on the left. Let's put Ericsson down the centre, for example. Um, and I think Why is it... Why has he changed it from playing Chadley on the left and Eric's in the middle to, to the other way round again? Because he's fucking with their brains, that's why. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, Carol. He's having Inside a mindfuck. knowledge, Jav. <laughs> I don't even know what Poch's plan A is, let alone someone's asked what, what is the plan, has he got a plan B? I still don't really know what he's trying to do. <laughs> I, think, I think we could all name our I need to ideal... stop drinking and watching games, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think no, we could all name the, um, the the first eleven with the players that we've got right start, now. So we'd have start with them, hasn't he? Yeah. So he's so he's he's got that that core eleven who who he tries to play. I mean, yesterday I don't I just don't understand why. But to answer your question, Joe, I I don't think he's uh, a poor man's Mourinho. I think he's a he's a pretty switched on coach, and he's certainly um, known how to uh, change the style of who he's got on the pitch. Yeah, substitutions haven't been great, but he knows what to do with the players on the pitch. Hence why we've um, been able to go for 90, 93 minutes and, and get those last minute winners. Um, and the reason for that being is because, like you said, we've had uh, teams camp you know, in front of the goal and we've got to go around them one way or another, which as mm. Spurs, we're traditionally not used to. You know, this is, this is a, a, a step forward. This is progress as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, we we usually would have like one all or would be two one down, and that would be it. You just know that okay, this game is going to peter out, and yet now we've all become like exposed to this new Spurs where they just keep going. I just feel I just, I feel that we've got a very tired squad right now. You know, this is the first season where yeah. a lot of them have been pushed to tw- training twice a day, um, playing a high tempo, high pressing game, and you know. It, some of them have been honest and said, you know, I've really struggled with it. People like Ericsson, and he, he's loving it now. But at the beginning, he just said to Pochettino, I'm a luxury player. And Pochettino said, listen, I know, but if you want to stay and if you want to play, then you have to play my way. Otherwise, you're out. And Adebayor said, I'm not going to play that way. So he's out. And I, and I think that also the fact that we played so many games in the Europa and then obviously in the League Cup, not mm. we unfortunately didn't have that many games in the FA Cup, but... Um, <laughs> It was, it was a, there was a replay with Burnley. Um, that's added to it. And then if you consider the fact that we don't have a strong squad, um, we don't have the strength and depth, you know, the players, somebody like Paulinho, for example, you know, on paper, he should be a quality player. You sh- if, 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 if football was played on paper and you looked at our squad and you thought, oh, well, you know, you've got Paulinho, that's a really good player on the bench. And you've got um, Vlad and he's so uh, Romanian international mm defender I, I think he's he skippers um a national team you know if we had that strength and depth which we don't then at least if players got tired or or, or they were underperforming for whatever reason then we could tap into those resources we, we don't have those resources so i actually think we've got a big squad and and a not bad squad big but it's but do we have the quality and depth because it, well, like, when we're still in europe okay and having these Thursday, Sunday games, or whatever, we look better than we have done in the last since we've gone out. That's yeah. that's that's one of life's mysteries. Well, at, at no, least uh, yeah, you've think... got both teams. You had like an A and a B team, or whatever, both getting time on the pitch. And I thought then we showed quite a good strength in depth and everything. I think it's mental fatigue. I think they are. Mm. Out. Yeah, or I agree. They just they just look exhausted, and I think that's probably where we did ourselves a disservice in losing the League Cup and then dropping out of Europe because then the pressure isn't on so much. 
And then yeah. you think, really, what's... Because by that time, it was, it was fairly sure that we weren't going to get a Champions League place. I don't know if the players are interested in playing for that. But they don't look it. So I, I think it's not just the physical, it's the mental fatigue as well. Yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like... You, when you play like a derby, like watching the game today, the Manchester derby, you know the atmosphere is fantastic, and the uh, you know the uh, the uh, North London derby where we were fantastic. I, but I just think, why can't they produce that in every game, particularly in every home game? Why can't mm. they be up for it, for it? You know, if you can play like that against a certain team, why can't you do it all the time? And you know what, Carol? That's to, that's to, mentality uh, again, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And, just and shows you how much it that. plays a, plays a part. You're right, Bex. And the other thing is, Carol, that at the beginning there was this whole thing about, well, do the fans have to make their voice heard or do the team have to earn that? And, you know, the lane now, you can't point that finger at fans anymore that they're not creating the atmosphere. Oh, you can, because they haven't the last couple of games. Oh, okay. I I thought it was awful again yesterday. Awful. Oh, was it? It didn't sound very... It was um, a good good day that was... Sorry, Beck's gone. No, I was just going to say not quite often if the fans are up for it you hear that really well on the television and yesterday oh. it was very quiet mm. yesterday very subdued my first Par- time in the south stand i was thinking my god i'm not gonna be able to hear myself and i could um uh, you know i could <laughs> and he had to stand through the whole game i know that's the first for me as well <laughs> yeah. um to paraphrase what um guy jinx who was on the podcast last week said um Maybe it was somebody else. I can't remember now. Um, otherwise, good day was sport by a game of football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I think I think the the Burnley game and yesterday's game. I think this you could see the seeds of that were in the last twenty minutes of the Leicester game. Yeah, the Leicester game wasn't fantastic, was it? it wasn't for the goals. We weren't brilliant no. there. Hmm. However, at the start of the season, if you look at it overall, not just the past three games, would you be happy with where we are now? Yeah, I think so. Yep. I feel a bit of a downer for some reason, but you'd like to think we would maybe end well now with the last... We've got six games left, is it? To try and um, win the fans back again. So I think the natives are getting a little bit restless again. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes, I, I think some of that's justified. Yeah. Overall happy looking at the bigger picture. Obviously, it's a bit of a downer, as you say, Carol, at the moment. But then, to be honest, that's been no different... This at this time of the season, um, to the last few seasons, the only one that I can think of where we finished off on a high note was five years ago when we qualified for the Champions League. Um, but every season, every other season after that, it's been particularly poor and disappointing from about the top March, March onwards. Onward, yeah, the top teams still go, don't they? They're still going for it. We just tend to hit a hurdle of some sort. It's bizarre. It's a mental block. And until we, I mean, look at Arsenal. Uh, it, really? I don't, yeah. Um, well, they won about seven or eight on the spin now. I remember having a debate before with a few Arsenal fans before um, we played them, and um, I can't remember whether we were above them prior to that match or whatever. But anyway, there, there wasn't much difference point-wise. And we were talking about finishing top four, and they they were really pessimistic and gloomy. And they said, "Oh, I don't know. I, I think I think Spurs can do it this year." And uh, and you know we we well, they Arsenal have been woeful, yet they do it again somehow yeah, every, every season. They just do it. Yeah, <laughs> they're good. I think, aren't they? Jab, Jab, I think you have to us. remember that we've got uh, this is kind of a 
you know, a two-sided coin, isn't it, really? Because um, on a positive note, we've got a manager who's shown he's, he knows how he wants to set his team up, and they've showed it uh, in, in more games than not. And we've got a team which has got an average age of 23 and a half. Like yeah. a, a regular starting out. Now that's that is great going forwards because you know that he's there for the long term. A lot of those guys will be there for the long term, and they're going to play together as a unit, which is always always bodes well on an international scale or or at national level as well. On the flip side, it means that most of them don't have experience. So when it comes to this part of the season, um, like like Beck said, you're going to get mental burnout because you don't know how to stretch those games. And and you know he's not been there either himself i mean he's he's been able to firefight when he was at espanol and he did you know fantastically well with with players at his disposal which is what he's done with us um but and at uh, southampton yeah and at southampton as well you know he came in and just picked up from where nigel Atkins other, had left him but he's very young as well yeah yeah, yeah. he's 43 yeah which you know we said this about avb that he was very young but he'd never played and i think that's the difference potch is very young to be at managing at that level, but he's played. So I think the players respond to him better, mm -hmm. but he's still learning his trade at yeah, the feet of perhaps. masters like Van Gaal and Mourinho. He's, and do you think maybe he's a good, moment. he's a good coach. He's a good um, training well, coach. Well, he said yeah. that himself, but didn't he? When does they, he have, when, does when he quite have that him. experience of the, of the tactical new yeah, absolutely. Because when when the um, I think when the media asked him a few months ago about well, being the manager of Spurs is a poison chalice, blah blah, and he just cut them off and said, "I'm not a manager. I'm a head coach." And I think from his point of view, he knows exactly what that means. That I'm here to to look after this group of players and to train them to play in a particular way, and that's so, it. You know, I'm not here to manage the club or do all that other kind of stuff. This is this is my unit, and that's what I look after. He Go looked very you. unhappy yesterday. Sorry, Carol. Mm. Did, no, he looked really and sad. The he? suit thing is just not his look. <laughs> Why was he, he wearing this suit? Are you suggesting a need for Gile? Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> not on your fucking life, Popeye. <laughs> but um, he just, he looked really <laughs> unhappy and very formal, almost kind of remote, very inner. Uh, and like you say, Dev, I am the manager because here I am wearing a suit, looking to be that little bit remote. Whereas when he's in his trackies, he seems to get more involved with the game. Yeah, I think there's there was an element of that when he first joined that Levy said, listen, you're going to have to start doing your interviews in English. And, and I'm pretty sure he must have said, we have a particular marketing style that the club wants to promote and you have to buy into that. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure at Southampton he didn't adopt that look too often. No. Um, it was in the wash, so he had to wear a suit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> second half of the podcast. So right, so in the second half of the podcast, we'll we'll look at some questions. Um, but before we do that, so we've got a few announcements to make. So um, just a reminder, we've got the um, Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast Twitter page. Um, the Twitter handle for that is at thf podcast. There's also the um, Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast Facebook page. And as we mentioned last week, there's now also, um, if you go to the Facebook page, there's links to the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast blog, where we've had a number of articles that, that have been submitted. Um, so Guy Jinx last week published a, a nice little piece um, on summer transfers, um, who should stay and who should go um, article. He looked at defenders last week, and this week he'll be looking at uh, midfield players, and that, that article should be up um, later today or tomorrow. 
um, my sources inform me. Um, and we also had an article from Aaron Wolf, who difficult to describe this article, but it was passed over last week, and he he wrote an article which juxtapo- juxtaposes I can't say the word <laughs> mixes um, pass, mixes. Tottenham and Passover and biblical references. Um, <laughs> it's very funny, it, actually. It's very it's, good. Yeah, it's a really good article. It's very it's different. Very good. And I would suggest you give it a read. And also, um, I mean, Aaron, it's, good. it's called Wolf on Spurs, and Aaron's going to be doing a lot more in terms of um, articles. There, 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 there have been a few other people that I've got in touch with um, that... Uh, um, we'll be publishing stuff in the near future. Both myself and Nikki Merritt's um, have been working on that. Um, and really, I suppose if anybody out there um, is interested in writing blogs and getting their work notice, then drop drop us a line. Um, I think it's really you, good. It's really nice to see members of the forum writing stuff in that. Good yeah, to, and, and, good and not, just, not just members of the, members of the forum. forum as, as I said before, we've got listeners outside of the outside of the Facebook group. Um, and so we're looking for new talent, but also even established talent. So there's there's, there's, there's a few people um, that I'm not going to name at the moment, but I've got in touch with that, um, you know, write blogs for a living and, and, and work in media land and, and all of that sort of thing. And there, hopefully, we'll see a few articles from, from them. Um, what else was I going to say? Right, so we've got Newcastle game next week, and... We've got um, we've got Elliot Line now with um, what's become our regular feature, um, which is Elliot Line, where he takes maths and football, mix, mixes it together, and provides a st- statistical analysis of our next ma- match. He's also provided some betting odd- odds. So here's Elliot Line with the forward line. This is the forward line on the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast with me, Elliot Line, looking forward to the game against Newcastle United on April the nineteenth. In our history, we've played Newcastle 130 times with a win ratio of 44% and a 65% unbeaten ratio. However, away from home, our win ratio historically drops to 31% and our unbeaten ratio to 60%. In this fixture last year, we won 4-0 with a brace from Adebayor and Palenio and Chadley also hitting the mark. Newcastle's current form is poor. Uh, they have lost their last four games, most recently the Tyne Weir derby. They do have another game before ours at Liverpool on Monday night, but I can't see them getting anything from that fixture. Our form is only a little better, with a point from the last two games where six points should have been achievable. I rate the likelihood of us scoring as 74%, and of scoring more than once as 58%, and of keeping a clean sheet as 32%. The most likely scoreline is 1-1, followed by a 1-0 Spurs win, a 2-1 Spurs win, and a 1-0 defeat. Overall, I have 42% for a Spurs win, 28% for a draw, and 30% for a Newcastle win. Currently, the best odds for a Spurs win can be found at BetBrite, who are offering odds of 11-8. This has been the forward line with Elliot Lyon. Come on, you Spurs. Welcome back. Um, second half of the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast. Thank you, Elliot, for forward line. Um, and just on that Newcastle game, um, I'm just going to go around and get some quick predictions. So, Dev, if I start with you. Uh, Newcastle game, 2-1. A win for us. I think um, they've got bigger problems than we have. And um, I expect us to, to win that game. Bex? 3-1. 
we'll go up to sunny Geordie land and smack them and it will be a complete turnaround from our last two or three games. And everyone will love Pochigan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and wonder what all the fuss was about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say God. I'm going to say two nil. I think we play better away from home. Our shape looks better. We use more of the pitch, and I can see us uh, sneaking a two nil win with Jan back. Okay, yes. and I'm too frightened to give a prediction. Other than I'm just going to say <laughs> something very, very Coward. vague and very, yeah, uh, Do very it. vague and uh, woolly and liberal and in the middle, which is. Yeah, which is something along the lines of if we play, if we play to our potential, and given that we play better away from home, we'll probably win. But if we play anywhere like we have been playing recently, we're going to lose, and that's just stating the fucking obvious. But <laughs> sorry, um, I, I can't. There's no point predicting, you know. I can I can't. Can I just add something to that equation regarding Newcastle? Um, I was reading a few articles this week about uh, in the kind of like the wake of their uh, their defeat in the derby. And the general attitude at the end of the game was that the fans had kind of shrugged their shoulders in reluctant acceptance of the fact that they'd lost again to Sunderland. Uh, that's the first thing. Secondly, this the, the fact that they've got Ashley in charge um, has made the whole place feel like there's no connection with the club. I mean, if you thought about mental, passionate fans, you know, you'd think of Newcastle United up there. You know, in at least in the top three or four in in this country, um, you know, just they live for the game and that's it. And now it's kind of become psychologically, it's 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 kind of flipped over on its head now because of the effect that that Mike Ashley and and his his uh, board have have had, especially with the whole Rangers debacle as well. And thirdly, they've got um, John Carver, who's your kind of stock manager, yes man, who's just there and comes out with the normal one-liners of oh yeah I you know I'm passionate about the club and you know I, I bleed black and white and no one is more passionate than I come like Tim Sherwood bollocks. yeah that's it and and he kind of, he's there to to you know to appease the fans say the right things but answer to the board and I think they've got massive problems um, and that you know the the, the 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 actual quality on the pitch doesn't even you know come into that yet mm. so I I think even though we've got issues I think I think going there is probably a good tonic for us you know go there get a good result and come back they're, they're just fading into the background aren't they in every department yeah yeah sad massive club right so let, let's um let's look at some questions um kurt butler asked about um whether we had a plan b but we've we've touched upon that um a, a non-spurs related question but one that i like um and i think that i'd like to think that all of us are well placed to, to answer this um, JB1 Kenobi asked, dependent on the age of the podsters, cheeky, do you think <laughs> football under the Premier League yes, has improved on, on football under the old league system? Can I answer this one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yes and no to do a jab. Uh, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> you'll never be invited back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, because it's technically better and faster. Unless you're a super athlete, you just can't cut it at the top level anymore. And unlike the olden days when you can smoke and drink, turn it like a fat bastard like Billy Bremner and still be boarded, <laughs> you can't get away with that anymore. Um, and no, because you know, it's no longer about the love of the game. You know, I, you know, I grew up watching Hoddle, Waddle, Mabbott, 
that that team from the mid eighties. And at the end of the day, whatever happened, you just love Spurs, and it was the end of that. Uh, it was just about enjoying the experience. But nowadays, it's about balance sheets, net spend. You get the whole build-up, sensationalism, mind games, and then you've got this whole soap opera-style, endless nonsense, echo chamber outrage afterwards as well. You know, they take one small thing and they just go on and on and on about it, and that just makes you more miserable. Uh, and then, of course, you've got people like Gerard and Terry and Lampard and who knows what, and they have like, these media pitch battles. You know, uh, Neil Ashton from the Daily Mail banging on his Chelsea drum all the time. There's, n- there's no more football... F- for the sake of it, it's just, you know, everyone's got their little camps and everything is orchestrated to be this this wonderful kind of presentation. So uh, overall, not really. Mm, well said. Yeah. I have nothing to add. Grievesy. Well, yeah, this is it. Satan, <laughs> Satan Greavesy. It, I mean, you saw Satan Greavesy. Most of the time they, they got pissed and just sat there and went, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You're talking out of your ass, Ian. That's it. And, and they had a laugh about it and it was something you enjoyed. Now you hear about people saying, oh, do you know what? If my team loses, I'm just miserable for four days. And the reason why they're miserable is, A, because they're so sucked into it. And secondly, because the media just keep rolling it and rolling it and rolling it. Even like and, tiny little things. And they do that thing with the ball, which you love, Dev, don't you? You know, with the, with the ball in the middle just before the game when um, <laughs> it's, on, it's on the mantelpiece or something. Pick, oh. No, that was Joby. Joby hates that. And they take it off the, the stand. Yeah, the, the referee walks up, picks it off, and walks up. Yeah, it's Joe, really that. American. I'm really sorry to the American <laughs> listeners, but that is a very American thing to do. Yeah, it's we, very we don't, we, don't need, we don't need all that razzmatazz. Although at Crystal Palace, uh, they um, have the girls. Yeah, the dancing yeah. girls. Well, at least we don't have short no, shorts from the '80s. I mean, you know, Garth Crooks running around in short shorts. I think that scarred my childhood. <laughs> I. I mean, I'm nostalgic for that era. I like the fact that I said this before. I, I like the fact that you had internationals played on a Wednesday, not on a Saturday or a Friday, mm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot. I, I this is never going to happen again. I like those mammoth replays, FA Cup replays that were just yeah, <laughs> it just but, went on know, and yeah, on. But but you know, yeah. practical level, you can't have those. Um, I liked what what you could have still though is the semi final and cup final replays. They were good. I mean, mm. if we didn't have, where would we without, you know, if we didn't have a replay, we wouldn't have had Villa's goal under the Twin Towers. Yeah. Imagine if that game had ended in eighty one, one all, then it gone to extra time and then penalties. Yeah. You know, history would be very different. Um, the one thing I would say about that era is there were there was a lot of crap pitches. Now. If you look at now, obviously you've got underfill heating and 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 the, the pitches are much much better, which is great. But then it does make me think that at that time pitches were so bad. The game was there was also tackles flying around, and you know, and, and again you could say paradoxically the fact that you can't tackle that that's now in today's game is a dying art. But in in the 80s, for for instance, you had shit pitches, you had tackles flying around, people wouldn't get as booked easily yet. It must have been much more difficult, given that backdrop, for players like Ardiles and, and Hoddle to perform. Yet they, you know, they, yeah. they were amazing. They I, I wonder. I, yeah. they, they did, and I wonder if if they played in today's game. I mean, I'm sure they would be even better. Yes. They would look a million miles better. Yeah. So I don't know. It's half a dozen of one and the other. I think. I think a lot of the players now are just molly coddled. Talking about they've got yeah. improved fitness and technically they're better players. I, I would say. 
but fancy pants players, okay, and they manage to avoid a lot of injuries now, don't they? Because no one bloody tackles them anymore because they're not allowed to. Yeah. I quite miss that in a game. And back in the 80s and before that, 70s and 80s, the, the squads were much smaller. And, but the same people tend to play every single week. So even yeah. though they were flying in, they were playing on bad pitches, they had much smaller squads. So, they, you know, you were always playing. Um, they still managed to do it. And now it's all precious, isn't it, I think? Yes, That's it what is I, the money I was is the say root of all evil. I was going to say about Ericsson, how he's, he's still skipping out of tackles and everything. Yeah. Why? Because that's not the way his, that's not his game. Okay. Be it rightly or wrongly, I, I, I know what you're saying, Carol, um, but it's not the way he plays. So, and he doesn't want to risk being injured. Well, okay. I've, I've got nothing to say to that, really. It's just that I think the tackles that used to go in and now people would bottle tackles, don't they? And it's, it's kind of changed the game yeah. a lot, I think. It has changed the game, but mm. I think stop, start, that's, stop, it comes start. back to the money. Yeah. Interestingly, I was looking up like when the Premiership started 23 seasons ago. Um, mm. Only five clubs have actually won it, which is quite bizarre. Yeah. I mean, once upon a time, you never knew who was going to win the league. Or you, no. had a, you had a good idea that some one team might win it and the rest of us would. I mean, I, I remember in the mid-80s, uh, the top three were usually Liverpool, Everton, Spurs. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, at the end of the season. And we were usually in like the UEFA Cup, something or other. You know, we were there in the mix with Everton, Villa. And these were teams that nowadays, if Villa get into the Europa League, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, you're, you're, you know, they're there as well. Whereas back in the day, you, the, anyone who... You know, the, the the field was a lot more of a level playing field. So if you had good players and a good manager, that's what counted towards you, you know, your success rather than, yeah, do you know what? We're fourth in the table. We need to get third. Let's just buy a £50 million player. Big deal. If you go further back, 70s, you know, Derby, not Forest, mm. from, from nowhere. Yeah. I, I think that I don't subscribe to the view that... Um, that money guarantees success. I know that Blackburn won the league title. I know that Chelsea have won a few titles and Man City have won a couple. I think it helps, but it doesn't. It doesn't guarantee guarantee that. Okay. So then, how is it that when we did a uh, at work, we did a guess your top four, bottom three at the start of the season, and across the board there are nine of us that do this, and all four every we all pick the same four clubs in the top four. Yeah. So what does that tell you? City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United. Yeah. City might yeah, not do it this year. <laughs> I know that's quite funny. But but Bex, a few a few years ago, if we go back to the mid noughties before Everton got into the Champions League and before we did, and I know that's just two examples, but there there was a time where it was on a regular basis basis the top four was United in no particular order United Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool United Arsenal Chelsea Liverpool that's it nobody assumed that anybody else like a Man City albeit they they, they then <coughs> in with money, bought their way in bought their way in or a Tottenham or a, or an Everton yeah, yeah. Could, could could do it so but that is the exception rather than the rule isn't it mm. when Spurs or Everton or somebody do get into that it's like oh mm. oh where yeah that's they come right from? yeah yeah, well, it's we, not we, a they've worked the league, really yeah. hard to get to that point. It's a real surprise. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I remember going back to just a few years before the Premier League was formed, Crystal Palace finishing third. Yeah. Um, with when Steve Coppel was um, 
absolutely unthinkable now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boring. Um, okay, we've got a few um, apologies. I'm not going to read all of them. I'm, in fact, I'm only going to read one of them. We've got a few Tim Sherwood questions, but I'm not going to give him. Uh, th- yeah, fuck him. Um, so Alan Hansen asks if you if Alan Hans Alan uh, Alan Hansen. <laughs> Sorry, Ali <laughs> Ali Hassan asks if you if need, you had we, if you do with Liam here doing to do an impression of Alan Hansen. Has he done them him before? No, he, he hasn't. Um, if if you had to have Tim Sherwood round for dinner and another character, real or fictional, who else would you have round? What would you cook and why? Who wants to go first? I will. I'd, I'd like to invite Hannibal Lecter. No, oh, you stole my one, Bex! I know! Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on then. I'm hurt. What are you going to serve? <laughs> I, I'm just going to sit and observe and just see what Hannibal Lecter does with Mr Sherwood. I'm guessing it depends on how fucking annoying he finds him as to whether he serves him or not. What I was going to say is that I'd have Hannibal Lecter and I'd cook some fava beans and leave a bottle of Chianti on the table, (laughs) tiptoe out of the room, make myself scarce for a while until I hear Anthony Hopkins burp, open my front door, start his car and drive away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a similar sort of theme. I'd like to invite Armin... Um, Armin Weiss. Um, I, 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 I mispronounced his name. Anybody, anybody heard of this guy? So, this is a true is he story. Armin? No, Ar- Armin. <laughs> a, a, not is he Armin, but yeah, that, that wouldn't be well, too he bad. Well, he had cannibalistic tendencies, so you could invite Armin Weiss and Idi Armin Weiss. Armin, Armin Weiss was a German guy who in 2005 oh, he was a oh, yes. cannibal who um, he put this ad out and he invited this guy around and basically ate the guy yeah. but started off by chopping the guy's penis and they shared that together as a meal. Oh, I remember now. And, yeah, uh, he actually he actually put an ad out, didn't he? And he said, um, okay, I would like you to eat me. Yeah. <laughs> not, not like that either, literally. And I, and I don't know what dear old Armin from Weiss is doing. I presume he's alive, he's in a prison somewhere. But he's obviously got a fetish for that sort of thing. So I think he should, he should be released on sort of conditional, unconditional ritual. What, into Birmingham? Be... And into, into, into the Birmingham. direction of Villa Park? Yeah, in the direction of Villa Park. Um, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll be paid, by, paid for by uh, Randy Lerner. And um, yeah, eat Tim Sherwood's cock. Um, kill Tim Sherwood and, and that's that. <laughs> Um, that was quite boring actually <laughs> I, I didn't go for anyone particularly famous I just thought Tim and Simon Doling off the, the pod last week Simon loves Tim he Simon, loves, yeah. he loves exactly. him more than I loved him because um, really he nice. loves my uh, my Scottish picture that I made in paint of Sherwood <laughs> <laughs> I'd make Sherwood sit there wearing a Tam O'Shanta or something and <laughs> Um, I probably would make them haggis, tatties, and, and neeps. That's it, really. Leave them to chat and kill each other. Speaking of speaking of the whole killing Sherwood thing, uh, today, uh, I don't know if any of you watched the QPR Chelsea game, but John Terry got dog abuse throughout the whole game from I QPR did. fans, it was yeah, which is brilliant. And then at the end, when they scored a bastard Chelsea goal, like they always do in the 18th, yeah. 107 millionth minute uh, and they were celebrating a, a QPR fan 
couldn't help himself and he he kind of lunged onto the pitch and had to be held back by five students and that's the kind of stuff they don't they don't show you on the tv but on the radio he actually said that there's a fan he can't help himself he's running towards <laughs> and i was like go on mate deck him one have him. And, um, uh, yeah exactly and um i just wonder what would happen if tim sherwood was like thrown into park lane <laughs> lower or something and like he'd just be ripped to shreds wouldn't he i mean i'd pay to watch it of course <laughs> um, i think so you're right in case anyone's wondering, wondering Armin Mawais, um, he's he was sentenced to life imprisonment, um, but it was previously it was eight and a half years. Um, so uh, yeah, it looks like he's not going to not going to be coming out anytime soon. But um, yeah, I'd have him round at Villa Park, you know, like sort of like a day trip. <laughs> um, next question: uh, Elliot Lyon asks, um, Elliot Lyon from the forward line asks, which Spurs player, past or present, would you cast as James Bond, and which as a Bond villain? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about James Bond. Maybe Jan Vertonghen because of his hair, because uh, he's got that suave side parting thing going on. But as villains, I'd have Adebayor as like the main henchman, and I'd have Mister Sandro, just yeah. because he he just look he just has that nutty look about him when he does his eye staring. He had quite a good game today, actually. I thought. Yeah, he, yeah, did. he did, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Um, my James Bond's got to be David, of course. David Ginola. Um, I've got a couple of other funnies as the villains. I'd probably have Daniel Levy as, <laughs> oh, yeah. as Miss. Really. <laughs> Hang on, Daniel Levy as Miss won't spend a penny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sorry, he's not a Spurs player, but I'd have Suarez uh, as Jaws. Yes. Yeah. Bad. Well, the other thing is that Daniel Levy would be could also be Blofeld as well because he's got that Blofeld look about him. Can I just say I was chatting with Jess Nickel yesterday after the game with a few beers and everything. We were talking about Levy and he was talking about Levy, and I said, "Do you, do you call him Levy?" And I said, "I call him Levy." So I just wonder what everyone else thinks. Levy? Are we Levy or are we Levy? I thought because it's a Jewish surname, it would be Levy. Yeah, yeah, so Levy. Yeah, Levy. He was, he was adamant he was right, so, okay, I'll get him to listen to the pod. Tomato, tomato. Although, having said that, I'm sure members of the family pod, uh, who are, like, Jewish, they'll probably say, actually, it's meant to be Levi if you're going to go down the Jewish route, so mm. I probably... I thought Levy had two Vs, that was all. Like, Chevy to the Levy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, it's only one. <laughs> no, I meant if you were going to pronounce it Levy. Yeah, but it's not even. It's, but it's not meant to be levy. It's meant to be levé, isn't it? If you say it the way you write it. But uh, the Americans, you know, who's going to argue with the Americans? It's a bit like bagel and bible. Um, next question. Bit. You had to put a bagel I, in I there, didn't to, you? Yeah, I had to. Um, Mazza, Mazza would uh, probably like flip out hearing this right now. Mm, yeah, she's not here now. Um, <laughs> next question. Nick Seal asks, what's, "What's the best football film ever?" Escape to Victory. Damned United. Yeah, Damned United. Oh, okay, controversial one. I'm going to say Football Factory because it's got Danny Dyer in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there, yeah, there's a, there's a respectable reason to pick it. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Dyer plays Danny Dyer. <laughs> Danny, Danny Dyer's really good at playing Danny Dyer. He um, is. Wow. Um, I, I think in EastEnders, he's not... I, yeah, I think that's a step down for him. Um, Emma Donovan asks, "Is Capoue's hairdresser taking the piss?" 
I like bit, the way she's picked a... on the hairdresser, not the bloody player. I mean, actually, it also begs the question: what's what's the, what's the worst football haircut that you've seen over the years? He had a red top, didn't he? Yeah. I thought it was Yedlin at first because I think he's going to be someone who's going to have some funny, funny hairstyle. Well, well, yeah, because Yedlin past. had that whole five star thing going on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> showing my age. So we probably uh, weren't happy mm-hmm. with the red, were we, with Kapu? I thought it looked quite cool, but uh, it was red, so most people don't like that. And my favourite ever haircut was Jason Lee. The oh, pineapple the pineapple, man. pineapple yeah, yeah, he's got a pineapple. Oh, he's <laughs> Loved career. it. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. I thought. I think the worst haircut I've ever seen. Is Javinho's? I what the hell's going on there? Yeah, he's yeah. just weird. All of him. It's just anyway. Yeah. I love the fact there's some big fro's going on, a la Valderrama kind of uh, look. <laughs> Unfortunately, Willen's got quite a cool fro, and um, who else got a good fro? Can't remember now. Benny, Benny used to. Fellaini, yeah, yeah oh, Benny, uh, Fellaini. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like... and actually, Adia has as well when he lets his hair out his plaits. Or he, he did does? At one stage. Yeah, he does. He's got a proper, um, uh, yeah, the same as like that John Baptista sang D I S C O, proper round microphone. <laughs> you really are showing your age this evening, Dev. <laughs> I am. But, uh, embrace the grey, that's what I say. <laughs> and, it, and it rhymes, so it must be true. <clears throat> okay. Worst one uh, that I can remember was David Beckham's Mohawk. Oh, but what about David Seaman and his fucking ponytail? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, awful. You, you just wanted to cut. You just really wanted to get a scissors and just cut it. Yeah, it was just and uh, him. But yeah, well, anyway, mainly the ponytail. But then Roberto Baggio had that uh, little. Yeah, but it's different. It, it was cool. On does anyone? Does anyone, <laughs> does anyone remember Barry Venison? Oh yeah, yes. with the yeah the mullet, the mullet, blonde locks. He looked yeah. like something out of Dollar or something or Apple. <laughs> <or something. laughs> Anybody under the age of thirty, don't stop listening now. <laughs> <laughs> <This is the laughs> I was Googling it, Google imaging it, saying up, up he pops. And I said to my husband, Jesus, look, that's Barry Venison. It's her. It's brilliant. <laughs> but the, th- the thing is, Carol, I mean, I know people, like Beck said, well, if you're under 30, then just keep listening. But I, I look at haircuts from when we were growing up. And then you look at haircuts from the 70s. And it all everyone looked like they had, like, granddad haircuts. Like, receding comb-overs with massive, when I was in the war, massive sideboard. You think... <laughs> How old are these guys? You know, I mean, are they, are they playing to their 50s? I mean, there's that there's that fight, the famous, was it Keegan and... Uh, Billy Bremner. Billy Bremner. And they you know, they both got sent off and they'll still fight. And Billy Bremner looks like someone's granddad. And he's like proper <laughs> going for it with like Keegan. And then you think, mate, seriously, just sit down before you get knocked down. Keegan's another dodgy bonnet, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. The yeah. Like Chris, Chris Billy Bremner. Billy, Billy Bremner had one of those faces where he just always looked old. Yeah. Always. Mm. Yeah. Some people have that, don't they? Who remembers Chris Waddle's mullet? 1990 World Cup. And then I think I think he cut it before the, the, the semi-final against West Germany. Yes. And I can't help thinking that... That's, that's why where it lost, was. Yeah. That's, that, and that's why we lost the game. Samson. Sort of, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, final couple of questions. I, I should say there's... Um, we do try to read all the questions every week, but we get lots of questions, and um, and we all talk too much when we answer. We that's true, yeah, um, and we you know we do go off on tangents, but hey, um, and uh, there, there's there's a question that I quite like um, from Lackwinder, which I'm not going to read this week. Um, I'm going to save it for um, a future podcast, um, which is to do with um... asshole. Sorry, asshole. Asshole, is it really? Oh, isn't it to do with Sol Campbell? No, it's to do with. Um... Is it to do with decompress? 
catchment area, local catchment oh, area. Oh, yeah, sorry. And that sort of thing. Sorry, um, Lackwinds, I wasn't calling you an arsehole. <laughs> Um, it does. It does. It does refer to scum and chav and manu fans. Okay. So that's where it could be. But no, it, it's it's a, it, it's a good question, and it, it's it's around um, you know fans from the area and the fact that um, lots of. Thought you um, weren't going to do it. We're not going to. We're not going to do it. I'm just. I'm. I'm just talking it up and um, I'm, I'm just explaining to him that we we, we will do it in a future pod, saving it up. Give it right. justice. But are you going to? But are you going to um, ask the question about D cut breasts? Um, That's a quickie, isn't it? Okay, I wasn't going to, but just for you. um... Yeah, absolutely. I could. Well, the question was, as a man, so I suppose this is just me and you, Jared. It was Kent Kent Goodrich. Kent Goodrich. Okay. As a man, what would be worse? To, I'm sorry, I'm stealing your thunder here, Jav. That's fine. Uh, okay, uh, I'm I'm Javid Mavedi, and welcome to the Spurs Family Podcast. Today's <laughs> uh, question is, um, oh, Kent Goodrich asks, as a man. What would be worse? To wake up to find you have grown gorgeous, firm, spectacular, but completely non-removable D-cut breasts or find that your testicles have disappeared? I would say the former because at least you've still got your testicles and your manhood um, and you've got a pair of breasts as well, which, um, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say no contest. I could happily live my whole life with having my own pair of gorgeous, firm, spectacular D-cut breasts. Basically, they're man boobs, effectively. So, yeah. you know, it's not the end of the world. But at least you've at least you've still got your balls, and you're still a man. Yeah, so. yeah. Do you want yeah. us to answer that? Yes, please. Um, I'll stick. I was my... just going to think how much money you're making in the press. What if I had testicles? Well, no. <laughs> if the boys, I was thinking, if they turn up with you know, D cut boobs, then. I, I don't know, is that a whole new lifestyle as a page three model? Um, but the media would absolutely adore you. <laughs> You'd make a fortune from that alone, wouldn't you? Selling your story to whatever rag you choose. I'll stick Kate. with the. I'll stick with my breasts, thank you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I wasn't even going to answer Carol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving along quickly. Okay, no, for, for a minute, all that stuff kind of bashing against your thighs, and is it does it not kind of get in the way and annoy you? <laughs> it depends on. Be really careful. Right, let's just let's just move quickly along. Zach, so so final two questions, right? So Zach Gasnola asks, um, describe yourself and other panelists' personalities personalities in terms of an area of London, um, and uh, well, basically by that it means an area of London that you most identify with, and not the obvious N17. Explain why that area suits them. This is quite a hard question, really. It's <laughs> you a can good ju- question. But you just make up a load of shit, really, can't you? Which is kind of what I've done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay well, let's, let's hear your load of shit, then. Okay, well, I've got Bex, and I've, I've met Bex, and she's kind of a bit kind of mother-earthy, so I have put, given her Portobello Road. But she's got kind of... She dyes her hair pink, and she's quite a dude, and um, I just have her selling... Are we back on the testicles again? <laughs> <laughs> I've got her there, Portobello Market, selling kind of crystals and wind chimes and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay, Beck. This is the worst. You've got a slight sort of hippie look about you. That's it. Okay. Um, and for Jav, because he's best friends with David Cameron, I've given him Westminster, of course. <laughs> I've got him outside Parliament selling bagels. That's all right. That, that's where I was born. 
Oh, okay. And we've got Liam, who yes. works at the House of House of Parliament, House of Parliament, and he was telling me a couple of weeks ago where he, he sits on the roof. It's his favourite place to be. He can go and have a fag and look across the whole of Westminster and London and everything. And I've got him up there, like, chucking sausage rolls or something down at you <laughs> <laughs> on your bagel stand Jav I'm really Dev, I'm really sorry I, I didn't get one for you you're a bit of a sort of a city gent look about you I think oh thank you well I suppose not living in London doesn't help either does it so I should move I was just wasn't quite sure but I can see you playing cricket at the weekends on Clapham Common <laughs> <laughs> oh well cricket on Clapham Common as opposed to something else yep I can live with that okay <sighs> Um, has anybody else got anything to add on that question? No, I, I think on? it was a really difficult one for this for yeah. those of us that don't live in London or aren't you know don't spend so much time there. I did years ago, but I don't so much anymore. So I'm not yeah, familiar, same here, yeah, as familiar yeah. with areas of London. Okay, final question, and it had to be that man, Kent Goodrich. Um, <laughs> oh God, <laughs> it's a dirty one. It's a dirty I think, one. I think Kent lives for. Sending questions every week, sending bizarre, sick, twisted, perverted questions to the podcast every week. That, I think that's his sole existence in life. That, that's what he was born to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like him for it. So, <laughs> Kent asks, um, your rich but twisted uncle oh, God. croaks and leaves you £10 million, payable in one year. He also de- designates that another £10 million goes to uh, a charity of your choice. So that's quite admirable. Um, also payable in one year. However, there is a catch. You have to spend that entire year in the constant company of Sol Campbell. So you're each fitted with a proximity sensor that goes off if you stray further than four feet from each other. If you move too far apart and it beeps, you fail, and you and, and your charity lose all that money. So just think of that charity and all those children and whatever they are, whoever they are, and you know, you're depriving them of all that money. Indeed. <laughs> Um, so, soul, so, 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 picture the, so picture the scenario, so it would be soul in the morning, soul at the night, soul taking a dump while you're brushing your teeth, um, soul effectively, so speaking and justifying his rancid um, life for a solid year, and you can't and you can't assault him and you can't kill him, so what, what do you do? Um, I probably wouldn't do it, for a whole year? whole year, yep. Uh, I'd raise the money some other way, sell my body, do something. I don't know. It <laughs> <laughs> have to be something else. I, I wouldn't do it. He makes me. It's only a year, him. but it's only a year. So you draw up a big chart of how many days to go, and gleefully get up every morning and cross one off right under his, you know, not further than four foot away from your nose, and gleefully get up after it. sharing a bed with him every night for a year. You don't have to four foot, so you could. That's not the same <laughs> bed. Is it <laughs> necessarily? Me. But so you get up in the morning, but you know it's only a year. It's going to be a fucking long year. There's no mistake. But it is only a year, and I think ten being in the loo there, but he's doing a poo. Oh, you know, you stand the other but, side but, of the but, door, four foot but away. Think, but think of the other when when you're doing a, when he's brushing his teeth and you're doing a poo, you can you know, you do a smelly <laughs> one and just make him. My house. darling, I don't. I'm like the queen. I don't do smelly poos. <laughs> <laughs> You could engineer a situation where you do a funny poo just to piss him off. Oh, yeah, let's do that. You could engineer lots of situations to make him really uncomfortable. You could make him sit there and watch every Spurs game with you and say, look, look, do you remember when you used to play for this team? Do you remember what you did? So you ah. could remind him of that every single day. Yeah. If he, he went to a game, 
You'd have yeah. to bring him with you. Yes. Yeah, he could, he could be my everyone, bagel bitch. Everyone would think he's a, he a boyfriend. <laughs> no, he could be my bagel bitch. He could be. But... And, and and if he doesn't get a bagel, I'll blame it on him. And I'll, I'll, if I can't physically abuse him, I'll mentally abuse him. I'll crush him. I'll, I'll make him half the man that he is. We I don't, it's not going to take much effort, is it? No, no. And if you went to watch Spurs at the lane, he'd have to come with you and then he'd get beaten up. <laughs> but what if so what if you what if he strayed away so what if you did something that annoyed him and then he strayed away would you would you then lose the money yeah four feet ding the buzzer goes off well You're i don't out. know you see i reckon that's the next installment from ken that will be in next week's podcast this is what happens <laughs> <laughs> you could have a series of questions about it couldn't you what happens if or this is what happens so I, I would do it for a year, but I would make his life, not mine, yeah, as, absolutely as, as uncomfortable as possible. Yeah, yeah. If, he then, if he then strays away and I lose the money, fine, okay? That's his fault. Mm. And then I'll blame him forevermore. But at least I know that I've done my bit and, yeah. Derby, yeah. you a yes or a no then? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'm a really annoying bastard at times, so uh, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> no, only, at times, most I'm of the time. I'm the only no. <laughs> You have principles, though, Carol, so, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, have none. No, but Bex is Mother Earth, so she can, she can live with the whole poo thing. You know? <laughs> I've got a small child. Well, not small anymore, but, you know, have a child, so really living with Sol Campbell can't be any worse than living with Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, there you have it. Sol Campbell... Um... Spending the full, spend, spending spending time with Sol Campbell for a whole year. Who would have thought it? Right. Thank you, um, Carol Hayward, um, as ever. Thank you, um, Rebecca Braddock, and thank you, Devon Pandya. Um, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. One Tottenham, one family, one love. Good night. Glory, glory, hallelujah.